Now, in our message series, Change Your World, we're learning how each of us can influence the people around us, influence people for Jesus one person at a time. Now, if you're a believer here this morning, God has placed within your spiritual DNA a desire to lead others to Christ. God has created each one of us as a son or daughter of God, and he wants us uh, he's given us the ability and the desire to lead others and birth others into his kingdom. And yet, if you're like me, many of us struggle at times with how do we reach out? How do we lead another person to the Lord? Part of the struggle is maybe simply know, not knowing what to do. I don't know how to do it. I mean, here's this person. I know they're not a believer. or I'm not sure they are. What, what do I do? What do I say? Another aspect of the struggle to reach out is the fear of rejection, right? If we talk to somebody and they go, are you crazy? Or no way, or, you know, they'd reject us. It might damage a relationship. We might offend somebody else. And yet God's word tells us to let our light shine. In fact, you see this, uh, our background image for this series is a light. That represents you. It represents me. And Jesus tells us, don't hide our light under a basket. And so we're to lift the basket off so that others can see Christ's light burning within us. And so God wants us to let the fire of God in our lives burn out in the open, not hidden away uh, in a closet, not even hidden away in our church. But he wants it to, to shine out so that others can see. So let's watch a, a short video about this concept called start the fire. Well, I want to start a fire. How about you? God wants us to, to let our fires burn out in the open. And when others catch the spark, you see one fire can ignite another fire. And the result is remarkable. And so this morning we're going to look at something that each one of us can do, something that each one of us can do and should do to influence our world. Our message this morning is entitled Life that speaks a life that speaks God wants your life God wants your lifestyle to be so different from that of unbelievers around you that you stand out that people see you as different God wants your life to be so radically different than the people around you that they say he or she sure is different now naturally we want to say we just want to fit in with everybody else but God wants us to be different. He wants us to stand out. A life that speaks is a life that goes against the decadent flow of our culture, the decadent flow of our society. It's a life that goes against the flow to such an extent that it causes people to ask questions. It causes people to get curious. It causes people to come up to you and, and ask questions like, why are you so different? Now, would you like somebody to ask you that question? <laughs> Depends on what you're doing, but uh, if you're doing the right thing, that's good, Mike, I think. <laughs> if you're doing the right thing, that's a good question. If it's just the way you're combing your hair, well, maybe not so good, but uh, God wants us to be different. People will come up to you and ask you questions like, why don't you do blank, whatever it may be, like everybody else? You're different. They might ask questions like, where do you go to church? 
because you don't act like other people they know. Perhaps you're going through something and they say, why are you so full of joy? Or don't you ever worry about anything? They might ask you questions. Why do you read your Bible all the time? Do you let people know you're reading your Bible? Or you just kind of hide it away? They might ask you, can I come to your church? Can I learn more about Jesus from you? They might ask you all kinds of questions. Now, if people came up to you and asked you questions like that, would it make outreach harder or easier? It would be a whole lot easier, wouldn't it, if they come up and asked you questions than trying to corral somebody on the street and, do you know Jesus? That's not so easy. Philippians 2, 14 and 15. Uh, these verses are written out in the white page in the middle of your bulletin. You might want to take that out. It says, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. So there's an idea from the Word of God. God's Word here says that if you do everything without complaining and arguing, you're going to stand out as being very different. The Apostle Paul called his society a crooked and depraved generation. I think that applies to our society today. Does it not? And if you simply don't complain and argue, you're going to stand out like a, like a star shining in a, the black sky of the universe. You're not going to blend in with the blackness. You're going to stand out. Now, everybody wants to fit in with society. Everybody wants to succumb to peer pressure. Everybody wants to go with the flow. But God wants us to have the courage to be different. He wants us to have the courage to stand out, to not blend in with the blackness, but to shine like a star, to let our light shine, to be so radically different that, that, everybody, that knows, everybody that knows us notices there's something different about that person. And they wonder why. Daniel 12.3 says, Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. And so when you let your light shine, you're going to stand out like the brightness of the stars. When you let your light shine, you're going to be one that leads many to Jesus Christ. You're going to have a life that speaks. So how can we do that? We're going to, today we're going to be looking at scriptures in Colossians chapter 3 and 4. Because those passages are a little too long for us to cover in every detail this morning, we're just going to take highlights from it this morning. I'd encourage you to read all of Colossians 3 uh, up through 4 verse 6 this week to get the whole picture. But the first thing you can do to have a life that speaks to those around you who do not yet know Christ or perhaps some who have slidden away from Christ is to put off ungodly behavior. Colossians 3, 5 says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, 
evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Now, as we look around our society today, do you see any sexual immorality, any impurity, any lust or evil desires? You do? All right. Is it getting worse or getting better? Now, think back, those of you who are uh, older than a teenager, in the last 20 years, have, if you took a person from 20 years ago and transported them today, would they see a difference in our society with respect to those things? A major difference, a huge difference. I think we could say that those things are rampant in our society. Now, many of us would say, well, I don't do any of those things. Uh, we say, do you watch those kind of things? Well, people say, well, you know, if I, I wouldn't watch those kind of things, I couldn't, I couldn't watch any television. I couldn't hardly go to the movies. Well, what would be wrong with that? That would be different, wouldn't it? That would be different. Why as believers do we, or are we tempted to fit in with everybody else by discussing these type of television shows that glorify these type of things and those type of movies and we just fit in with it? God wants us to be different. Both in what we do and what we watch and what we talk about. Now, this list of ungodly behavior ends with greed or covetousness, which the scripture says is the same as idolatry. Greed is setting your aspirations on something and wanting it so much that it becomes an idol in your life and basically replaces God. And it's all you talk about. You just want this thing. That's what greed is. That's what covetousness is. Now, if you're more excited talking about something or someone, if you're more excited about talking about something or someone, more excited than God, then that thing may have become an idol in your life. We are to put those kind of things to death, it says, to kill them, to not tolerate them in our lives. Now, these ungodly habits are from our old self. Colossians 3, 7 says, You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. And so where do ungodly habits come from? Well, every believer used to be an unbeliever. Even those that were saved at a young age, at one point you were not a believer and you made a decision to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so those ungodly habits are from your old self. And the Bible says that old self has died. It's not the real you anymore. And so when you're saved, you put on the new self. And you'll see that if you read this whole chapter. And the new self is being created in the image of God, just like Jesus Christ. But the tentacles of that old self hang on to us. And we're tempted to keep moving in the behaviors and habits of the old self. And God tells us to put off the things that belong to our earthly nature. The things that we used to do when we were not a believer. Let's look at another common example of ungodly behavior. One in which we must be different from the world. We are to rid ourselves of ungodly speech. Verse 8 and 9 says, But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. Anger, rage, malice, slander, they have to do with our relationships. 
don't they, for the most part? Most of the time we don't get angry at things. Occasionally, you know, computers and things we do. A little anger or rage or malice when they don't work right. But usually it's other people, isn't it? It's a difficulty in a relationship. When somebody does something to us, we're tempted to retaliate. We're tempted to speak back in anger. We're tempted to take revenge through malice or slander, saying something bad about them. And God says, get rid of those things from your speech with his help. God can help us to do that. He says, rid yourself of filthy language. What is filthy language? Well, filthy language is cursing, it's foul jokes, it's double entendres, it's bathroom humor. It's, it's just about any humor you see on television has filthy language. Now, there is such a thing as a clean joke, but it's kind of hard these days to, to find them. Rid yourselves of filthy language. And if you want to rid yourselves of something, you can't be listening to it and watching it all the time, or it's just going to come out. And finally, always tell the truth. Never lie or break your promises. Now, all this, all this ungodly speech is part of the old self. We put it off as we become believers and we must ask God to help us to remove the last traces, putting off ungodly behavior. Now, when you put off ungodly behavior and you don't fit in with everybody else, how are others going to view you? I would say you're going to stick out like a sore thumb in many places. If you don't participate with this, you're going to get kinds of comments from other people. Now, some of those comments will be... Uh, somewhat abusive. You know, they're going to try to put you down for being different. You know, aren't you the self-righteous person? Why can't you enjoy a good joke when you don't laugh with everybody else or re you remove yourself from the company uh, in the lunchroom or wherever you're at? But you'll get some other comments, perhaps, of why are you so different? You know, you're really different than everybody else. What makes you different? Now, some people will put you down because your behavior is bringing the conviction of the Holy Spirit into their lives. They know what they're doing is wrong. And they don't really want you around because they don't want to be reminded. Now, you're maybe not pointing your finger and saying that you're doing is wrong, but by not participating, you're allowing the Holy Spirit to convict them. And that's not a bad thing. Others are watching you all the time. Whether it's at work, whether it's at recreation, whether it's in your neighborhood. And so make sure your light is shining brightly by putting off ungodly behavior. But that's not all we should do. We should put on godly behavior. Verse uh, 12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And so to have a life that speaks, it's not just about the things that we don't do. It's also about the things that we, we do do. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, we are to put on godly behavior. The practical truth is that if we're doing what we should do, we won't be doing what we shouldn't do. 
And so the things work together. If you're treating somebody with com compassion and kindness, are you going to be angry and raging at them at the same time? That's impossible. And so these two things work together. Here the list of godly behaviors, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Would you like to be around a person with those kind of qualities? They would be a pleasant person to be around, wouldn't they? Would you want to share your heart with them? Would you want to ask them things? Yes, you would. And so would other people. Those qualities are the qualities of Jesus. Those are qualities that we should be growing in as we become more and more like Him. Let's take some specific examples here of godly behavior to put on. We are to forgive those who hurt us. Verse 13 says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Much of ungodly behavior in relationships comes from not forgiving somebody who's, who's hurt you. And when we don't forgive somebody, we hold grudges. We become bitter against another person. We hold in anger. You know, if I could punch that person, I would. That's not a good thing to hold inside yourself. But as believers, we must forgive others. Why? Because Jesus has forgiven us. We've done wrong things. We've sinned. And Jesus has forgiven us. And we ought to do the same. We ought to follow his example and forgive others. And when we forgive those who hurt us, we can really love others from our hearts. Verse 14, and says, Over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. When we treat each and every other person in our lives, whether it's at work, whether it's in our family, whether it's in our neighborhood, uh, whether it's at church, when we treat them with love, then our lights are shining. Our fires are burning. Others can see we're different. Because love has... All of these godly qualities that we've been talking about, love sums them all up. Love shows us how to do unto others as we would have them do to us. Love is the golden, the golden rule encapsulated. Love does not speak to others with ungodly speech of any kind. Uh, love is patient. It's all those things. It's kind. It's not angry. It's not vengeful. Genuine love for others will be noticed. And finally, do everything for Jesus with thanksgiving. Verse 17 says, And whatever you do, you might circle that word whatever. Is anything excluded there? Well, you know, maybe not when I'm relaxing or... It's whatever. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, that pretty much summarizes everything too, doesn't it? Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father, him. And so those are the two main aspects of our behavior, the things we say and the things we do. Both our words and deeds should be done in the name of Jesus. They should be done for his sake. They should be done with him in mind. Everything that we do, we should be doing it as we were doing it for Jesus himself. And as we do it, let's remember to give thanks. And for giving thanks in everything we do, that pretty much eliminates complaining and arguing, doesn't it? Do everything for Jesus with thanksgiving. 
And so all those things should be practiced in every aspect of our lives, should be practiced in our families. It should be practiced in our church. But let's think about the workplace for a minute. One of the first verses that we looked at today, which said if we do certain things, we would stand out as stars in the universe. What did it say? If we did everything without complaining and arguing, or grumbling and complaining, well, complaining and arguing, grumbling is pretty similar. Have you ever heard any complaining at your workplace? Does anybody ever complain about anything? What if, rather than joining in with everybody else complaining, you demonstrated some of these good qualities? You demonstrated forgiveness. You demonstrated love. You demonstrated thanksgiving. God says that we as believers should put on godly behavior even in the midst of an imperfect world. Did you know that everyone around you is imperfect? Did you know that you are imperfect? That's a revelation to some, huh? Everybody is imperfect. And so, in a sense, there's always something we could be complaining about, isn't it? But God's word says, don't. Don't do it. Forgive. Love overlooks a multitude of faults. Love forgives. Put on godly behavior even when you have an imperfect boss. Your boss is imperfect. Your fellow employees that you work with are imperfect. God wants us to demonstrate love even to those that are less than perfect and many of the people that you work with are not believers. Even some that think because they go to church, uh, they are. And so replace the ungodly behavior in your life with the godly, with, with the Lord's help. God has made each one of us as a new creation. He wants us to become more and more like Jesus. The more like Jesus we become, the more brightly our lights shine. The more others will see us as being different. And so a life that speaks, a life that puts off ungodly behavior, a life that puts on godly behavior is going to influence outsiders. Now Paul uses this interesting term. He calls unbelievers or the lost, he calls them outsiders. They're outside of the church. They're outside of the kingdom of God. And the people who are believers are, he doesn't say insiders, but they're inside. Outside and inside. Everybody's in one camp or the other. There's no in between. You're either in or you're out. People who are outside are outsiders. But as we let our light shine before those who are outside God's kingdom, who are truly outside the true church, there's many that are sitting in pews who are not in the true church. But those who are in the true church are insiders. As we let our light shine, we shun ungodly behavior, we show godly behavior, we will influence outsiders. They're going to notice that we're different. It has to be that way. They're going to get curious. They're going to watch us even more, more closely. So how should we respond? Well, we should pray for open doors. Let's move on to Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. It says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door. Underline that, open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ 
for which I am in, in change, chains. And so to reach outsiders for Christ, we must pray. We can't do it by ourselves. And our prayer should focus on two aspects. First of all, we pray for the outsiders, the unbelievers, that they would be drawn to Jesus Christ. They would be drawn to ask questions through our lives and through our witnesses. Or through our witness. And secondly, we should pray for an open door so that we can speak the truth of Jesus, so that we can speak the truth of God's word to them and lead them to Christ. You see, a life that speaks is never going to win somebody for Jesus Christ unless the gospel is presented to them. You can put off ungodly behavior. You can live in a very godly fashion but that isn't enough to lead somebody to Jesus Christ. They need some additional knowledge. They need some additional truth. And we need to be prepared to ask God for open doors so that we can present the gospel or lead people to somewhere where the gospel is being presented. If you pray for an open door, God will give you an open door. God wants to open doors for you. Now, it might not happen instantly. We might have to pray for a while. But if there's a person in your life that's an unbeliever and you are seeking to influence them for Jesus Christ, pray for an open door. And then use every opportunity to share. Verse 5 and 6 says, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. There's that term, be wise. Make the most of every opportunity. You're going to get opportunities with outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And so when God opens the door, when he gives you an opportunity, we must have the courage to seize it. And when we speak to outsiders, when we speak to those who do not yet know Christ, or those who think they do, but don't, we must be gracious with them not condemning our speech should be engaging we should be excited about talking about jesus christ we should be excited about talking about the things of god not apologetic well you know you you really wouldn't want to come to church would you uh you know you really wouldn't want to hear about jesus would you I, no we need to be excited we need to be passionate about it seasoned with salt you know food without any salt is kind of bland, isn't it? Salt adds a little something to, to food. And so our speech shouldn't be dull and boring. It should be engaging. And finally, it says we need to know how to answer everybody. That's implying that people are asking questions, that our life is different. They're asking questions of us. They're perhaps even challenging the way that we live. And we need to have answers because if we live a life that truly speaks, people are going to ask questions. And so we mustn't be afraid of people's questions. Some people are afraid of questions. Questions are wonderful. It means somebody is curious. It seems somebody is thinking. You're making an impact. You're influencing somebody when they ask questions. And so even if you don't know the exact answer, God is going to work it out. It's going to be okay. You give the best answer you can. God will show us how to answer the questions that come our way. He wants us to influence outsiders to become insiders, fellow believers inside the church. And so today, I trust that 
Perhaps God has given you some new ideas and principles about reaching out. How that you can make a difference in people's lives. Reaching out to those outside the church is not just the responsibility of pastors. It's not just the responsibility of evangelists. It's not just the responsibility of missionaries. It's the responsibility of every believer. Every believer can let their light shine. Every believer is commanded to let their light shine. And this is one way you can. Outreach begins with a life that speaks. A life that's different. Let me say it again. It's good to be different when you live in a decadent and decaying society. You ought to be different. You ought to stand out. Everybody in your workplace could say there's something different about you. That's a good thing. We need to have the answers to questions that people are going to ask. And the more people ask questions, the more God will help us with the proper answers. Prayer will open doors of opportunities for you to converse with people about spiritual things, to share the good news about Jesus, about the church, about, about God's word. And as God gives you opportunities to share with others, let's encourage one another. And how can we do that? By letting each other know. If you get an opportunity to share with somebody, well, maybe they didn't fall down on their knees and repent right then, but you share the truth of God's word with somebody because they asked you a question at work, uh, in your family, extended family or something, well, share it with the church family. You can, you can write a praise report as a prayer. You know, that's one of the things in the, the prayers uh, on the city. You can type in and put up a, a praise report of something that God has done in your life. It doesn't all have to be a request. And you can let other people know what God has done. And then probably they should pray for that person that you've had an opportunity to share with. If it's something uh, that you would like to share with the whole church, talk to me and we can arrange for you to share a God story on Sunday mornings or somebody else to share it for you. I believe God's going to do great things as we, as we pray and as we allow him to shine through us. And so today we've learned about an approach to changing your world through a life that speaks. Putting off ungodly behavior, putting on godly behavior, making sure that your life is very different from those around you. Letting your light shine brightly. Don't be afraid to be different. Is the star that shines in the black night different than the blackness around it? It's very different. It's a completely different quality. And people that are not believers do not have God's light shining through them. As we intentionally seek to be more and more like Jesus and less like the world around us, we will get people's attention. Now the bad attention is called persecution. <laughs> I didn't talk too much about that today. That will come too. That's not a bad thing. Jesus said rejoice when you're persecuted. Because you're different. You're standing up for him. If you're never persecuted, you're not letting your light shine brightly enough. But you're going to get persecuted and you're also going to get curious people who want to know more about Jesus. You're going to get both responses. Pray for the open doors. Pray for opportunities. Some questions are going to be tough. Some questions are going to be easier. It's all good. I'm excited about what God's going to do through our church in our church family as we seek to reach out in these and other ways in our city. 
Now, of course, to become more and more like Jesus, we have to have a relationship with him. To have a relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, first of all, you need to A, admit that you've sinned. If you've been in this church for a while, hopefully you know your ABCs by now. And uh, it's a very easy thing to explain to someone. Now, it takes the work of the Holy Spirit in someone's heart for them to truly believe and commit their lives to him. But people need to admit that they've sinned, that they've done wrong things. And that sin has separated them from God. They need to believe in Jesus Christ, that he came, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, that we might be forgiven. He took our sin upon himself and paid the price. He rose from the dead and we commit our lives to following the living Lord, the living Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And those are the steps to entering into relationship with Jesus Christ, to be going from an outsider to an insider. So I'm going to pray a prayer this morning with those steps. And if you've never prayed that prayer before, I encourage you to. Perhaps you want to recommit your life to the Lord this morning. I would encourage you to, to pray it as well. Say something like this. Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross that I might be forgiven. Come into my life. I commit myself to following you all the days of my life as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray that God would take this word and cause it to bear fruit in our lives. That it would really make a difference. That it wouldn't be Monday we've forgotten about what we've heard. But Monday we begin, or even later today, we begin to put it into practice in a new way. Father, we thank you for giving us the opportunity to work with you in changing our world one person at a time. Help us to realize how important our behavior is. It's not just our words, how important our behavior is to our witness. Give us the strength to put off ungodly behavior and to put on godly behavior to be different and not to be afraid of being different. Show us how to continue to grow in our prayers for the lost. We can't do this on our own. We need your help. Open doors, we pray. Give us opportunities to share. Make people curious to know more about you because of how we live. May our lives be so different that the, those around us will notice and ask questions. Give us the grace. Give us the words to answer the questions and to lead the people one step closer to Jesus. I pray, God, that this year, that 2014, would be a breakthrough year for this church as each person learns how to let their light shine ever more brightly for you. As each person does their part in reaching out and changing their world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.